health is presented to us as something that we're always looking externally for. You know, like, tell me what I need to eat. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me how I need to exercise. Let me read this book. Let me listen to this person. And in reality, health comes from tuning into your body and asking your body what it needs. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss. And guys, this week on the podcast is Jess Rothley of Holy Healed. And Jess is a certified eating psychology coach who specializes in functional endocrinology, aka hormones. And Jess works with clients to heal their relationship with their bodies through scientifically backed nourishment, psychological work, and and emotional healing. And as someone who has been working to heal and balance her hormones over the last, gosh, almost three years, I was so excited to invite Jess onto the podcast and to have this conversation with her. And we really chat all about Jess's healing journey, her definition of health, and really the importance of taking an integrative approach and how Jess became really the practitioner that she always needed. Jess drops some serious truth bombs about our hormones and their connection to stress and mood and how we can begin to support our overall hormone health. We also chat about embodiment, becoming more connected and in tune with our bodies and why a processing practice is key to healing. Plus, Jess shares with us her pursuit of presence and its connection to purpose. We chat all things Taboo Tuesday and My Plate, My Business and so much more. Before we dive into this week's new episode with Jess, I have to share with you the iTunes review of the week, and this week it comes from Mary JK1994, and it says, Love these genuine conversations. I first listened through the soul chat with Katie and I fell in love. The conversations are so honest, but they're still intentional and value your time with the most important nuggets of wisdom. I definitely recommend listening. Okay, Mary JK1994, thank you so much for this review of the podcast. I'm so grateful. I'm so glad you found the show through my conversation with my friend Katie, and I'm so happy that you're tuning in and loving it. And guys, if you have been enjoying this podcast, or even if you just started tuning in, I would be so grateful if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or really wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. When you do, take a screenshot of your review and send it to Sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you our guide for infusing more joy into your life and some Seek the Joy podcast stickers. And it's just a really great way for us to connect outside of the show. All right, guys, that's it. We really cover so much in this week's new episode, and I loved connecting with Jess. She is so knowledgeable, kind, and honestly, the real deal, and truly passionate about helping women heal their hormones, break free of restrictive dieting, and really begin to feel at home in their bodies. I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. Make sure to join the conversation on our social media pages when you do. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere, and so without further ado, here is my conversation with Jess Rothley of Holy Healed. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Jess. I uh, run Holy Healed, whole like a whole pie, and I am a certified eating psychology coach who specializes in functional endocrinology. So basically, what that means is I help women come back home in their bodies. Um, I believe that 
whole humans require whole care. And so I hit both the psychology and the biology aspect of women's health. And so there's a lot of healing relationship with food, healing relationship with your body image, healing relationship with self, as well as how can we help you feel um, like symptomatic wise good in the body that you're living in, whether it be resolving hormone imbalances, dealing with digestive distress, and really combining both those aspects because I think that the duality of that care is super, super important for us to actually achieve well-being, health, balance, all that good stuff. Yeah, healing is holistic, I think is the yeah. best way to put it. And I think it's really lovely to see how medicine today is beginning to really see that, see that holistic aspect. And so how did this become your passion, fusing all of this together? Where, where did the, all of this get started? Yeah. So, well, I had an eating disorder when I was in high school. You know, I grew up like a lot of other girls grew up growing up thinking that there is one kind of, well, growing up thinking as a woman, as a girl, that yeah. my job is to be beautiful. And there is all of these images and messages telling me every single day what that looks like. Yeah. And if my job is to be beautiful, I'm going to chase after what that looks like. And I spent my entire life thinking that I wasn't good enough chasing that. Right. And so I spiraled into a full blown eating disorder when I was in high school and early college. And it was actually through my recovery care from that, um, that I realized how segregated and how broken the woman's health system really was. Um, I was going to, I was experiencing anyone who's experienced this from chronic dieting or eating disorders knows that it doesn't just affect your mental health, but your physical health as well. So I was missing my period. I had a ton, like a slew of hormone imbalances. My thyroid was an issue, adrenals, digestion. And I was going to all of these different doctors who were like looking at that one part of my body, or I was going to psychiatrists who you know, thought I, it was just, I was just depressed. So I needed yeah. to be on antidepressants. And then I was giving a birth control pill and I was giving all these things to deal with these specific issues. And I just felt like they were missing it. Like they weren't even really looking at my entire case. And I was like, you know, I have major self-esteem issues. I had an eating disorder. This has nothing to do with it. You know, Oh, well that, why don't you mm -hmm. go to this person for that? Right. It was like, they just weren't seeing me as a whole person. And, yeah. and, that healing, you know, my mind, the way I saw myself, my body image was actually going to impact my physical health and vice versa. So it was out of that need that I was like, this is necessary and we need more integrative care specifically for women that is versed in body image, that yeah. is versed in knowing that if you grow up as a woman in this society, chances are that you've chronically dieted. Chances are that you already are at a hormonal loss compared to women who don't have to struggle with that, right? Like there are so many nuances that we as women that grow up in this society have um, that just aren't necessarily being addressed in the modern right. medical system. Yeah. So I, I had my undergrad in neuropsych and I went on to become certified as an eating psychology coach and I worked under functional endocrinologists to get more of a hands-on training in women's hormones specifically. And so I kind of, you know, did like a melting pot of education to pull from different fields, psychology, biology, right? So I could kind of come together and be yeah. the professional that I think that I wish really that I needed. Yeah. And I wanted to serve and become for other women that I know that if I needed it, there must have been hundreds of women that needed it. So Yeah, I love that because when I go to a doctor, and I'm sure this is an experience of anybody who's listening, they look at the symptoms, they look at what you're experiencing, but I really, I've only met one doctor in my entire life, in my almost 28 years, that was willing to look at the whole picture, the integrated mm -hmm. picture of who mm -hmm. I was, what I was experiencing, my family history, my ancestral history, what I experienced 10 years ago. I mean, really mm -hmm. looking at the whole picture. And I think that that's missing. And so I love that yeah. that's something that you really focus on. And so when you were going through that, 
through your healing journey and no one was really willing to look at the whole integrated picture of who you are, how did you really begin to empower yourself? Because I think often we go to a doctor's office, they give us kind of like an analysis, a diagnosis, and then we kind of walk away feeling disempowered. So Mm -hmm. how did you really begin to empower yourself through that? That's such a good question. I've actually never been asked that. And I think I love that. (laughs) It's really, I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, like everyone's like, oh, that's a great, such a great story moving on. And I'm like, wow, that's a really good question. How exactly did I move from being disempowered? To be quite honest, I think it was just the firm belief that like, I'm not crazy. You're not listening to me. You know, like, I think that so many women leave feeling like they must be wrong, that they're disempowered and, and that's what's wrong. They're wrong. They just need to like shut up and listen to their doctors. And, and I really, I was studying, I was in the field of medicine. Like I wanted to become a functional medicine practitioner. And so I think the fact that I was a current undergrad in neuropsych and I was learning all of these things that were blatantly showing me how interconnected the body was, you know, like how all these systems fit together that I was like, this is not right. And so I I don't even know if it was empowerment other than just sheer stubbornness, you know, like like, this is not, this is not right. And so I think that that is what spurred further education, further digging and discovery. And then out of that discovery, it was like more and more confirmation that no, this really is wrong. Like, like we are more integrated. We are more integrated than we think that, you know, I was learning all these things and it was confirming that stubbornness. It was confirming that I think nagging voice in my head, but I wouldn't even honestly call it empowerment. I think it was just stubbornness. I believe that I was like, I don't know. No, but (laughs) I think that, no, I think that makes a lot of sense though, because when you keep hearing something that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't feel correct. And that stubbornness, I think comes in handy. I think when it's about your health and you need to advocate for yourself in those moments, being stubborn is really necessary. Exactly. And I would even argue that, you know, stubbornness can really just be your intuition getting very loud, especially yeah. when it comes to you in doctor's office. And so feeling disempowered in the doctor's office is such a common feeling for so many people, especially yeah. women with hormone issues, because hormonal symptoms can crop up as I'm simply a woman, you know, I'm, I get moody and yes. I get irritable and I have all of these, you know, mood disorders, or I really have bad periods. Oh no, you're just a woman. And, and it's so easy to become dismissed yep. and all about health, which is something that I know that you plan to ask me, but I'm just going to jump ahead. No, um, please. Part, part, part of what health is like where I think that the health paradigm is really lacking in the world and where I think it needs to go is health is presented to us as something that we're always looking externally for, you know, like, tell me what I need to eat. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me how I need to exercise. Let me read this book. Let me listen to this person. And in act like in reality, health comes from tuning into your body and asking your body what it needs. And so we grew up in a society where we're, we're drowning that voice, but sometimes it will get very, very loud. And symptoms are one of the ways that it does that. And when you feel like, no, I'm having these persistent symptoms, I'm having these issues and no one's listening to me. Like that's your body crying out for help. That stubbornness or what other people may say is you just not listening is actually your body really trying to get the help that it needs. And so looking back on it, like it was my intuition and, and I was not someone who listened to my body. I was like very in my head. Yeah. Tell me what to do. I'm studying all this stuff, you know, like I, but I wasn't in my body. I did not embody very well. And that was probably one of the first times in my life I can look back and say, wow, like my intuition, my body was speaking and I listened and look at what happened, you know, it was right. And so 
I think that that's so interesting because health is all about looking internally, even though we live in a world that tells us that it's all about looking externally. And so yeah. that's something really important to remember. I want to talk about what you just said about embodying and being in tune with your body. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start to feel you were embodying yourself more or in more in tune with yeah. the signs and the symptoms that your body was sending you? Um, it's really interesting. I still feel like I work on this constantly because I was just so not the person who was like that. And for me, it really comes down to my embodiment is so much about listening and listening to and processing my emotions. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that emotions are biological happenings in the body and we store Mm -hmm. emotions in our body. And that's why a lot of times when people experience traumatic things, they tend to numb like physically feel numb or certain areas of their body, especially for example, women who experience sexual trauma can feel numbness, um, uh, when when they're having sex or anything that stimulates their vagina. Right. So like we store trauma, we numb out. And, and for me, one of the best things I did to work on embodiment was actually begin to sit in my body and to feel emotions. Mm-hmm. And that was shocking to me because I was always such a, I lived in my head. I did not want to feel, I did, I suppressed and, and emotions demand to be felt. And if they're yeah. not felt in the moment, they will just wait and yeah. they will just wait and they'll either be misdirected or they'll just be patient in their way. Either way, they need to be felt. They need to be released from the body. Um, and so knowing how integrated like your mind is to your body and vice versa, for me, when I recommend to a lot of people is a lot of people think about embodiment as like, I'm going to do yoga and I'm mm-hmm. going to deep breathe. And that's awesome. Yeah. But embodiment for me also really looks like going to therapy. It looks like crying when I yeah. need to cry. It looks like not pushing down my emotions and tuning in and saying like, how am I feeling? I haven't really checked in with myself in a really long time. And that was one of the best things that I did for my health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I see a lot in my clients. A lot of people, they, they come to me thinking it's going to be like, okay, should I do more yoga? Should I do more this? Mm-hmm. And like, actually, how about we stop doing and we just kind of tune in and see how you're feeling. Yeah. And then all of these things come up, you know, all these things that are demanding to be felt. Um, So that is what embodiment means to Mm. me truly. Stop doing and start feeling. Mm -hmm. I love what you said that going to therapy, talking, feeling, Mm -hmm. crying, allowing yourself to experience that broad range of emotions was really a vital part of your journey and in starting to feel like you're more in tune with your body. And I think it's a never ever ending Mm -hmm. journey. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting too, because when we suppress emotions, uh, the very common and the first reaction when we're not actively feeling, when we're someone who hasn't been raised in a home where we were taught how to healthily process and release emotions is we numb our bodies because emotions are stored in our body. And then what happens is a lot of women come to me and and they're not really conscious of the symptoms their bodies is exhibiting, right. To call out for help because I almost think about it as like, you're the only way to escape those painful emotions. The only way you know how to cope is to kind of release your head from your body. Mm -hmm. So your head's floating up here and your body's down here. Well, your body is where it sends you all your symptoms. What's going on? What's going wrong? We need you to get this checked out. This is in pain, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if you're too far away, you don't hear them. You don't Mm -hmm. pay attention to them. You're in your own little world. And so bringing your head back into your body, not only is helpful emotionally and mentally, but it literally helps you tune into that diagnostic process where you're able to say, okay, how is my health actually? Cause if yeah. you're ignoring your body, if you're not tuning in, you don't know, no matter how many books you read, no matter what you're reading online, like you don't know, Yeah, you know? Yeah. That's so true too. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how real health, our health really needs to start by looking within, as opposed to looking at the external and looking to others for answers and 
And this kind of is bringing me to something I wanted to ask you, which is about our inner dialogue, the way we speak to ourselves, our self-talk. It definitely plays a role in our health too and how we feel and how we show up. And and so what role has that inner dialogue, that self-talk played in your healing journey? Mm-hmm. This is such a great question. Something I love to talk about that isn't really talked a lot about is uh, hormonally speaking, mm-hmm. uh, stress is like the enemy to female hormone health. And Amen it's just the way that. our bodies are wired. Yeah. 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 Stress. So a lot of people know that and they think, oh, stress, you know, I'm stressed about work or, you know, I've been not sleeping. Okay. That's stress. But your brain, so your, your hypothalamus, which is a part of your brain that senses threat, which sends the signals to the rest of the hormones that you're either stressed or you're not stressed. It doesn't um, what's the word, uh, when you, you know, the difference, it doesn't know the difference between yeah. your external environment or your internal environment, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't know the difference. And so if you are experiencing a toxic relationship, if you are really, really stressed because you have so much to do at work, it's sending the same stress signals as if inside your mind, your mind is being berated with all of these negative comments that you're saying about yourself. Oh my God, you look like this. I can't believe you're like this. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not capable. Boom, boom, boom. You're getting attacked all the time. Your hypothalamus literally does not, it cannot find the difference between the two. Mm. And so when it comes to how does that impact your health? How does that impact you? On a baseline, biologically, your body is primed to be in a fight or flight state way more than someone who is at peace with themselves. Mm. So not only is it mentally exhausting to hate yourself, but it is biologically stressful on every single Hmm. system in your body, especially your fertility system as a woman. And so that's one of the reasons why psychology is so needed in women's health, because we live in a, in a world where women really like they hate themselves. They're massively struggling. Their self-esteem is massively struggling. And on the same at the same time, we're experiencing so many hormonal issues. I mean, like across the board, fertility issues, missing periods, irregular periods, PCOS. And we're seeing this, it's, it's, it's correlated, right? Like one is rising, the other is rising. And so I just think that if we're not talking about this and and not just even talking about it, but telling women like, yo, just so you know, Mm -hmm. the way you view yourself physically impacts your health. It's we're missing the piece of the puzzle, right? So that's super, super and super, super important to remember. And so going on your question of like, how did that personally affect me? That was such a necessary, like the most necessary aspect for me to confront in my healing journey, because ironically, I was the kind of person who was quote unquote doing everything the healthy way, right? Mm. Like I exercised and I was following the latest diet trends, which is a whole other story when we talk about chronic dieting, right? But I was like, I was doing like, people looked at me and was like, oh, that's the health girl. Like that's, Mm. that's the, that's, she's, she's the healthy one. She runs marathons. She does all these cool things. And internally I was an absolute mess. My anxiety was the roof. Uh, My self-esteem was in the toilet and my body was legitimately breaking down. Like Mm. I was running it, I was running it into the ground physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, and so for me, the biggest part of my healing process above what I was eating, how I was exercising, what, no matter what was actually my mental health and the relationship I had with myself and my body, Mm. which is why therapy was the best thing I ever did for my physical health. So there's a huge connection between stress and our health overall, and especially our hormone health. And I don't think anyone is really talking about that aspect of hormone health, because when we think about hormone health with stress, we think about cortisol, we think about our adrenals, but it also has the ability to impact 
our other hormones, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. And I don't think anybody is really talking about that enough. And so two years ago when I was really suffering with my adrenals and I had adrenal fatigue, it really wasn't until I went to a holistic practitioner and she told me, well, your stress is impacting your other hormones in your body. So we've got to do something to manage that stress. And so Mm -hmm. it, so basically all of that to say, I totally understand what you're talking about. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad that you shared this because there's also a huge connection between stress and our overall mood. And when it comes to joy and in feeling joy or our willingness to even get to a space where we're experiencing those emotions because we've worked on our inner self-love or our inner self-talk or we're Mm. practicing self-care above and beyond what I think is talked about. But at the end of the day, the biggest form of self-care for me personally has been getting in touch with those emotions and taking Mm. the time to heal and explore and do all of that. So I really love hearing that that's been such a huge part of your journey too, because it's, it's not talked enough about, it's not talked Mm -mm. about enough for sure. Mm -mm. It isn't. And it's really surprising too, because, you know, when I started this journey, I was like way more biology heavy Mm. than emotions because that was who I was. It was where your background was in. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you study, you know, the endocrine system, the first thing you learn is exactly how stress robs the body of progesterone and estrogen and all of these things. And so when I went into the psychology component and I combined them and I was like looking out into the world, I was very shocked that this wasn't the first thing people were talking about, yeah. you know, that people were saying, Oh no, how about you like cut gluten and that's going to solve all your hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. And this girl is like struggling with body image. She has disordered eating habits. She has all of these problems. I'm like, okay, what's happening? Like we're missing the foundational yeah. steps to go through yeah. because we're so obsessed with the small details or things that we can control mm-hmm. thinking that, that it's going to put an it because it's way easier to say, Oh, Hey, cut out gluten than it is to say, okay, undo the entire way that you've used to cope with emotion. You know what I mean? Like it's way, it's way easier, but it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not. No, (laughs) no. And I think, I think it's so important to address those other aspects that are kind of the foundation of our health and our foundation of the way we talk to ourselves and talk to others and experience and process emotions. And so if there's somebody that's listening, what would be your advice or where is a good place to start if they want to start to shift maybe the impact that their stress is having on their hormone health or their health in general? Or what would be a good place to start? Well, I think, you know, it really comes down to, for me, um, you need to create the environment for which what you want to thrive, right? So if you want an emotional processing breakthrough, like you want to grow emotionally, mentally, you actually have to create time Mm. and the environment where that's going to thrive. And I want to make something very, very clear. I know that not everyone is privileged to be able to go to a therapist, you know, once a week. Like I want to make that very clear. But what I always recommend is to have some sort of processing practice in place where you legitimately put it in your day, like it's a non-negotiable. And so this either looks like journaling Mm. It looks like talking out loud and recording yourself. I know some people don't like to write. It looks like having someone that you talk to maybe every other day, maybe every week, you and a friend that you really trust, you make a coffee date. That's a non-negotiable and you go and you share, not just small talk, but you legitimately share like, this is what I've been struggling with. Can we just, can I share and can I process through it and make it a non-negotiable and create the environment for the work to be done? A lot of us will kind of say, you know, I, I want 
to be able to process emotionally. Like I want to see the growth, but we're not willing to go through the process where that happens. Cause let me tell you, the process is very messy. It feels like you're not Mm -hmm. making progress Mm -hmm. and it can be very painful because you're bringing things up. And if you're not willing to create that environment and kind of just like trudge through it, you're never going to actually experience the growth, um, and the beauty that comes from that. So no matter who you are, no matter, no matter where you're at, creating a processing practice and really setting it in your week, your day, like it's a non-negotiable and give the process room to happen, you know, like make, make the environment and then let it, let it play on as it play on. I love that. So mm -hmm. putting a process in place, and I love that you said that it can really be anything because often something that for me has felt sort of, um, isolating or like not accessible is when someone says it has to look this way. And if you're not Mm -hmm. doing it this way, you're not going to be successful. And the truth is, is it can be any sort of processing process that feels good to you. And and so I love just the variety of what you suggested. And I think, so from there, you know, once you're starting to manage that stress or having those open and honest dialogues and conversations about where you're at emotionally and physically from there, at least in my experience, and tell me if it was this for you too, but from there, you can really start to build upon your health and make changes outside of just the emotions or the foundation from Mm -hmm. there. And so when somebody works with you, you know, and you've gone through talking about the emotions and the impact on your stress and your hormones and food, what, what have you seen with people that you've worked with? What is it like? So that's a great question. One thing that's very surprising to a lot of people is how little we actually talk about food. Hmm. Even though a lot of women come with me to heal their relationship with food Mm -hmm. because And this is like the mantra of my work and my life that I just want to like yell from the rooftops. It is never about the food. Mm -hmm. Your relationship with food is never actually about that food. It's about coping mechanisms. It's about trauma. It's about self-esteem. It's about self-worth. It's about how you view yourself. It's about how you view the world. It's, it's, It's about the narratives that you have learned and let rule your life, right? Like it's about all of these things and we always end up digging into those things. So the, so the first session we'll talk about, you know, normal or quote unquote, what normal they expect. Like, let me, I'm just learning more about them. You know, I really believe, I really, really believe that I am really there to be a facilitator and also learning more about my clients to best serve them and be very nuanced in my approach. And so they do a lot of talking Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of listening and I do a lot of like putting pieces together that oftentimes they cannot see because they're so close up to it. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So I kind of step in from an outside perspective and they give me all the puzzle pieces and I'm like, Oh, Hey, like these two go together. I know you weren't able to see it because you're so close, but these two go together. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And we make a lot of connections, right? We make a lot of connections from their relationship with food to this, you know, how they grew up, that thing their mom said to them, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. all of these things. And so that is the most beautiful part of my work is seeing people not only realize like, oh, all this time I thought it was only about the food and I was stuck in this world. And that's why they can't heal because they're trying this program and they're trying that program and they're, and they're reading that book. And it's all about, oh, do this diet and do this. And and it's never about that. Mm -hmm. Right. So seeing clients come to me and be like, wow, I didn't realize these were connected. Wow. I'm feeling breakthrough or or really just sticking with the process, even when it's messy is like the best part of my work. So it really does look different for everybody, completely depending on where they're at. Um, because I, that's how I believe it should be, Mm -hmm. you know, to anyone who's out there, my, my number one recommendation would be 
I know that you feel like it's about the food or it's about your body, but I really highly encourage you to always start with processing emotions and how you view yourself. You know, where is your worth? Where are you finding your worth? These are very hard questions to confront. And we, a lot of times avoid confronting them, but I promise you that asking the right questions is the first domino that must be put down in order to have that growth, to have those breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. Um, the things that so many people really need, maybe they don't even want it, but they need it. So, um, that's just such a great place to start. Ask those hard questions, get very curious with yourself, you know, start looking inward when I know that you've been used to looking outward. Yeah. I love that. Is there one hard question that you might've asked yourself when you were just beginning this process that was a turning point for you? Mm -hmm. That's, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know if I can succinctly say it in one question, but the biggest and the hardest question I've had to ask myself. And quite frankly, I ask myself all the time when I find myself getting caught in this, this obsession with being good enough and small enough and pretty enough, Mm -hmm. right. That women so often get caught in. I have to ask myself, like, is this what I think is my purpose as a woman in this Mm -hmm. world? Like, like is what I'm doing reflecting what I genuinely believe my purpose is? Because one of the greatest things I did was really take a step back and, and see how as women, so many of our actions reflect the fact that we truly believe that we are only put on this earth to be pretty Mm -hmm. and to be pleasurable for other people, right? Like we exist for other people. And as someone who's like a stout feminist, as someone who believes that women have so much to offer this Mm -hmm. world, it just was like, wow, no, no, you know? And, And I can say that, but if my actions are reflecting something else where all my time and my mental energy is spent in how small I can make myself and how, you know, how I can be aesthetically pleasing to so these, these people, you know, what they're telling me is pretty, right. I could spend all my energy yeah. and time and, and brain power, valuable brain power on this. Then is that really reflecting what I believe? Because that's actually going to birth, you know, your actions yeah. speak louder than your words. And so I think the hard question you have to ask yourself is, are your actions lining up with what you really believe about your purpose? And if mm. not, then there's a disconnect. And I want to tell anyone, any woman out there that if you believe that your purpose on this earth is just to be beautiful for other people and that you exist for other people, I want to tell you there's, you are so much more than that. I know it's very difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult because we grow up being told that in Mm -hmm. so many ways, but that is not true. And what you have to offer this world is so much bigger than that. Mm. Do you feel like today you're living what your purpose is? I think I'm a lot more aware. And so I'm fighting for it. I cannot say that I'm like perfectly living in my purpose and that and ever, but the awareness and the constantly like checking myself, am I, Mm -hmm. has led to so much more growth and awareness and purposeful living than I ever could have had. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It's a constant journey of checking back in with yourself because we can, you know, you can have that moment of awareness and that light bulb. I certainly have had a couple of those in the last couple of years. And then you kind of find yourself, you know, going down a different path and you've got to stop yourself again and bring yourself back to what really Mm. I think aligns with you and what you know, or you feel that you're really here for. I love Mm. that. And you, you touched on really quickly there about that you are living more purposefully now than ever before. Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? Are there things that you do to make sure that you're living intentionally or purposefully or yeah, what does that look like? One of the biggest ones was I started really enacting more presence in my life because I was so someone who lived in another time period. Like yeah. I was very goal oriented. I lived in the future and mm-hmm. happiness and life for me was in the next step. 
Like always, like it was just always ahead of me just out of reach. So even when I was younger, it was like when I get older and I do all these things in high school and I was in high school and then it was college. Then I graduated from college and it was like when my career, and Mm -hmm. even now I find myself, it's very easy to say, well, my business gets this big or this big, or I'm doing this, you know, and living like that just robs you of life. You will look back on your life and you realize that you never were actually in it, right? Mm-hmm. You were just, you were never looking around. You were just like looking up and forward and you were just not at all focused on the beauty of the things that were happening around you, your own process, anything. And so for me, presence is such a struggle all the time. Yeah. It's all the time, but I fight I'm, again, I'm fighting for it. And so per, like purpose to me, um, a big part of it has been enacting presence grounding, you know, in the life that I have right now. So I can be where I am Hmm. serving who's around me. You know what I'm saying? Like I can show up in my business. I can show up with my husband. I can show up for my family. Like that has had a domino effect in in bringing out purpose in so many areas of my life that I didn't think I would have it Hmm. because I was so narrow-minded and I was only on this one track, you know, happiness and, and accomplishment is when I'm here or there. And so purpose has really come out of this pursuit of presence that I think has been so healing for me. And it's something I genuinely, I want to be completely honest. I still battle with every single moment of every day. Like really, I don't want to underestimate that. Um, but it's there and I'm fighting and that's really all that you can ask is that you're fighting. Yeah. Yeah, It's so hard not to be in that space though, of always thinking about the next step or my life Mm -hmm. will look like this, or I'll enjoy this moment when this happens. And this kind of ties into everything we've talked about throughout this conversation, which is you really need to embody where you are right now Mm -hmm. in your body, in the moment with the people around you, with yourself, whatever it might look like, because I'll never, I'm not going to be able to get this out of my head. What you just said, you'll end up living your life without actually being in it, without being Mm -hmm. part of your life. And so that pursuit of presence is, it is, it is real. And Mm -hmm. it's something I definitely struggle with too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the best ways to do it is actually learn how to be in your body physically. Mm -hmm. Your body is one of the most grounding things in the world when you're feeling and actually like, like feeling your sensations, your, your, your five senses, right? Like you're feeling it's such a helpful grounding tool. Anyone with anxiety might know like using body scans or deep breathing, like I have anxiety. And so I find that when, when my mind is racing and I feel like it's just off somewhere else, bringing myself back into my body is such a grounding presence. And so that's, that's one of the best practices to use if presence is something you struggle with, like practice being in your body. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you can't not be present if you're fully living in your physical body. So true. Mm -hmm. So I have to ask you about joy in your life. Mm -hmm. What, what is, what brings you the most joy? What does joy really look like for you? So a couple of things. So, you know, I grew up in the faith and joy to me really has come to be able to find joy and contentment in no matter what circumstance I have. Yeah. Um, I think my joy used to be very dependent on my circumstances, whether I was where I wanted to be, whether my body looked like what I wanted it to look like. Right. It was like this up and day thing and this everlasting joy really to me comes from like knowing who I am, um, being grateful and knowing that no matter what, like I am where I need to be. And that is just so comforting to me. Um, Mm -hmm. so like on a base level that to me doesn't, it doesn't even necessarily look like happiness all the time. You know, that this, this like joy to happiness to me is like this really big flame that comes up sometimes and then Hmm. just gets squashed out and joy, joy to me is like this everlasting, very small, but steady flame that just like persists Mm -hmm. always. That's and beautiful. on the, yeah. And, and on the kind of less, I guess, 
heavy side. Um, <laughs> joy to me, really, I love being with my husband and my dog. Mm. His name is Kevin. Yeah. Well, my dog's name is Kevin. My husband's name is Kevin. <laughs> Everyone's like confused because I have a cute dog. No, I love dog. that. I love I that. Dog name. Um, yeah, my dog's name is Kevin and my husband's name is Max. And just my boys, my family, they're mm. like everything to me. Um, so they bring me joy constantly every single day. I love that. What would your younger self think about what you're doing now? I think that she, you know, part of me wants to say she'd be so proud, but I actually think that she would, she would need me. Mm-hmm. Like she would need the work that I'm doing. That just means everything to me, you yeah. know, because I, I do it. it for, yeah, like I do it for younger Jess and all the women I see, like I see myself in so many of the women I work with and I see on Instagram and in my community, if you're out there listening, like I see myself in you all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that she would, she would need me. And yeah. that's, a, that's a really cool thing. You, they say we create the things that we need. We create mm-hmm. the things that we want to be part of. And I think, I think that is so true, especially with what you're doing. And you touched on your community uh, over at Holy Healed. And I love, so on Tuesdays, you have Taboo Tuesdays, which I love. Mm-hmm. And today is Tuesday. And I just finished, mm-hmm. before we started talking, I was watching what you were talking about and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this community meant to you? How, what has the experience been like connecting with this Holy Healed community? It's been really amazing. Um, and you know what, what, what it's meant to be has been so much more than just my community. Like I, I I know a lot of business owners, like they kind of take ownership of the community that they have, but I show up every day just in my mind as like a part of the greater system Mm -hmm. at at play to really work to empower women. And so the community that shows up with me to me are like my teammates because mm-hmm. they are just as much a part of the work that's happening than I am. I just might have a bigger platform or I just might have, I don't know, like started an Instagram and they didn't want to, you know, like, right. but I, but I'm showing up with them. And so as my community grows and as we like exchange ideas and talk and they're a part of my conversations and I'm a part of theirs, it just gets me so excited that like we're growing this team. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I just yeah. like picture like all these women like joining the fight and joining the walk and, and it's so exciting. And so, um, the community to me has just meant like teamwork. Mm. That's amazing because we're all in this together. And the more that we can share the information and the knowledge and our experiences, the more we can come together and really speak up on behalf of one another and advocate and bring more awareness to what we need and what we're experiencing. And so I mentioned Taboo Tuesdays, but for anybody that's listening who isn't aware, what what is Taboo Tuesdays? Because I'm a fan, but I'm going to let you explain <laughs> what it is. So Taboo Tuesdays is a series that I started on my Instagram almost a year ago now. And it's basically, I know, crazy. It's basically on Tuesdays, I cover taboo topics in women's health, diet culture, body image, like you name it, anything that has to do with women. Um, And we've covered everything from like vaginal discharge to having sex with a negative body image. Like we've literally covered so many different things. And so I am very, very passionate about truth telling. Mm -hmm. I believe that shame festers in silence and the only antidote to it is to bring it into the light and speak truth on it. Um, and so taboo Tuesdays was really just a way to bring things that women hide about in shame, whether they don't want to talk to their doctor about it, or they don't want to talk to their partner about it, whatever, and bring them into the light and say like, Hey, let's talk about this. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Let's bring it out into the light. And it started 
so many conversations, DMs, people being a lot more open to talk about it in their communities, in their life. And it's been just incredible. It's like my favorite thing that I do. And I know for a fact, it's my community's favorite thing that I do. Um, it's just, it's such a beautiful example of truth, really expelling lies in society. It's really cool. I love it. So from there, is that where my plate, my business came from? Cause you have these amazing shirts. Yes. So my plan, my business was originally just a taboo Tuesday and it was talking about food policing and, and how often we get, you know, whether our mom was making comments about how much we were eating, you know, when we were a kid or, or judgmental looks, you know, people of, of larger bodies having to do with judgment based on what they're eating or smaller, you know, just food policing really as an extension of body policing and a lot of people trying to police the way women look and what they put in their mouths. And, and it kind of, I made a joke about making it into a t-shirt and everyone was like, yo, make it into a t-shirt. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so I made it into a t-shirt. So I love it. it's a really cute, like little cap sleeve. And, and it really is about so much more than your plate, but it's right. really this like anti-diet kind of battle cry, uh, you know, going against, yeah. I'm not going to allow other people to tell me who to be, what to look like, what to do. Like I am a woman and I am fully self-sufficient. I'm not going to live my life for other people. And that's mm-hmm. really what it's all about. And it's just like, I've seen so many women buy the shirt and then start conversations about it, post about it, like tell their story of how food, of how body policing and food policing has affected their life. It's just been such an amazing revolution to watch and it's so going. So it's really awesome. It's Mm -hmm. so cool. And I think we need more of that. We need more open and honest dialogue and conversation and discussions of women's health and all the different facets of it. And I'm so, I'm just so happy you came on the podcast to chat about it. Before we go, I have to ask you the question. I ask everybody that comes on Seek the Joy, which is what is your biggest dream? My biggest dream, my biggest dream would be that all women would know their worth. And when I say that, they would know that they are worthy and would act and live out of that truth because I think that the world would look vastly different if that was the case. And that's why I show up every day. And we need you to keep showing up and we need people to keep having these conversations. And Jess, thank you so much for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. Where can everybody find you and connect and start watching Taboo Tuesdays and and learn more? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at holy healed again, whole, like a whole pie, holy healed or holyheal.com where I have, you can find the shirt and an entire blog where I go through women's health, everything in depth. If you need any kind of information or education on that. So find me there. One of those two places. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. much from my conversation with Jess and I've loved following her and following along on Instagram and so the opportunity to chat with her about all things hormone health and embodiment and presence and purpose and everything in between was so much fun and so grateful that she came on the show so happy to be able to share this conversation with you guys a couple of quick things before we go I totally forgot to mention this last week but on Thursday I debuted the first new thing coming to seek the joy podcast in 2019 and it is called joy corner it is a new interview style blog series spotlighting inspiring souls moments that bring you joy products we love, and so much more. I really wanted to create a way to spotlight and feature more incredible people and the work that they're doing. And so this interview style blog series honestly felt like a no-brainer and I'm so excited about it. We had three features go up on the site last week. Um, Jocelyn Chanel of Nani Box, 
Yami Matias of Soul Dreaming and Artistic Healers and Anna Cecilia of Project Babe and I Am Wellness. And we have two new features going up this Thursday. And my hope is to have two, at least two features go up on the site every week. So I invite you to join our corner of the internet and share your joys and passions and inspirations and what lights you up. It would really be my honor to share who you are and your story because at the end of the day, my mission with Seek the Joy podcast is really to share your stories and your truths and who you are um, with the world. And just to really remind us that we are really never alone in what we experience. So I've included um, a link to Joy Corner in the show notes for this week's episode, as well as our interest form. If you're interested in being part of it, I would love, love, love to feature you. So definitely get in touch. All right, guys, that is it for this week's new episode. I loved connecting with Jess. I cannot wait to hear and see what you think about this week's new episode. Definitely get in touch with us on our social media pages. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And if you want to support Seek the Joy Podcast and you want to support my work on this show, I would be so grateful if you shared this episode or your favorite episode with a friend or your family or on your social media pages, wherever. And make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We are also on Patreon and I will include the link to our Patreon in the show notes for this week's episode. And I'm just so grateful that I get to do this week after week. It is so much fun. It is really my joy. And I think that's it. All right, guys, I hope you have a really great second week of 2019. And I will see you right back here for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Tuesday.